So we're going to read from Psalm 119 today. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104 say, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. So again, we're working our way through uh, Psalm 119, very long psalm. We're working through there, and we've been talking about how it's in every one of these verses, you see something either about the Lord's law, the Lord's word, the Lord's precepts. All of those things are talking about the same thing. When we get God's word into us and we live by God's word, as he says here, we're wiser than all our teachers. We're we're, uh, able to to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. So let's all remember that today. And uh, we're going to sing some songs together. But first, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
When um, Moses and the children of Israel were traveled through the wilderness, God instructed them to build a tabernacle. Inside that tabernacle was the Holy of Holies, where after the sacrifice, the high priest would go and sprinkle the blood on the holy seat. And if we fast forward a couple thousand years, we find Mary at the tomb of Jesus. And as she's there, she's talking to Jesus, but she thinks she's talking to the garden. And when she recognizes, because he calls her Mary, that it is Jesus, she goes to go to him and he says, do not cling to me because I have not yet ascended to my father. So our high priest getting ready to go. And if we look in Hebrews 9, 12, we see not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So our high priest went to the holy of holy places to put his blood on the seat. Will we see that blood someday? That I'm not sure. But what I am sure is he gave it freely for all. 
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for that shed blood. We thank you for your dear son that shed it freely. And Father, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Is the time in the service for announcements. Out in the foyer, underneath the TV on the counter, there you'll have you'll see um, a couple plastic bins where we collect um, empty pill bottle donations for Matthew 25 Ministries. Um, also, for used ink cartridges, um, they help reduce the cost of office supplies here at the church. Every Thursday from five to seven, we have a food pantry and clothes closet. This past Thursday, as um, Miss Linda was talking about we served a meal for the community and it's just a blessing to be able to meet their needs but also have a conversation with them and invite them to church invite them to know what the Lord can do for them women's Bible study empty nesters they're going to be wrapping up their current study this Thursday will be the last one they're going to be taking a break for the summer and then they'll resume in September Refit, free ladies dance fitness class every Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30, right here in the sanctuary. Uh, we do dance around off of the chairs. I'm just kidding. Um, we move all the chairs. I'm just making sure you guys are awake. We move all the chairs to the sides, and um, ladies get together, and we move our bodies as the Lord allows us to. And we do have a um, devotion afterwards, which is really nice. So if you haven't checked it out, 
come any Tuesday or Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30. If you have questions, you can talk to Kristen. She's in the back today, so you can ask her if you have any questions. Mellon Ridge um, Church Ministry, every fourth Sunday of the month. The next one is June 26th. It's, um, we have church service. We have lunch together so we can talk and commune. And then we go over to, uh, to have a church service for the residents over there. Um, I don't have a new sign-up sheet yet, um, but if you're, I'll have that out next week. If you're interested, let me know. Tithes and offerings can be given in person. There's an offering box in the back of the sanctuary, right back there underneath the clock. And we do have online giving now. Um, that is the website. Out in the foyer, there is a table that has um, financial sheets um, that you can look at. It talks about our weekly budget. It talks about the ministries that you support through the giving here at Heartland. Here's some of them here. It's also listed out there on the table, too. So if you have any questions um, about any of these types of things, um, let the leadership know. All right, I want to start by saying how much I appreciate the uh, praise team. So Deja woke up in the middle of the night feeling kind of sick, so she wasn't able to come today. So Ruth was kind of, I don't want to say thrown in, but she was thrown into it at the last minute. And I know how hard it is to do that when you're prepared for it, let alone unprepared for it. So I just appreciate everything you do. I appreciate people stepping up. And, um, yeah, we are very fortunate to have people like that here. So, All right, so we're going to get into the Word. And we're going to turn together in our Bibles today to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4, and we're going to read verses, uh, verse 2, just verse 2. The title of today's teaching is, What If We Were Devoted to Prayer? What if we were devoted to prayer? In Colossians 4, 2, the scriptures say, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Then you may be seated. And I just realized some of you are just getting to it as I'm telling you to sit down, so my apologies for that. <laughs> prayer, something all of us can do, regardless of our age, our theological training, or our ability in other areas, all of us are capable of prayer. But if we're honest, most of us will say we have a lackluster prayer life. So we're not disciplined. We're not devoted to prayer as we should be. And because we're not devoted to prayer, we're not the men and the women of God that we should be. So today I want to give us some incentive to pray. I want us to look at four things we would have if we were devoted to prayer. That's what we'll talk about. Let's pray. Lord, as we study one of the most important parts of the Christian life, help us to hear and understand the truth, and help us to be more than hearers of your word. Give us your grace to be doers. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So the first thing we would have if we were devoted to prayer is we would have God's power. In James 5, 16, James says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James tells us prayer is powerful, prayer is effective. Another way to say this is prayer has the power to accomplish its purpose. So when we pray, we should expect things to happen. We should expect God to move and for our prayers to produce powerful and effective results. We should expect this because that's what God promises us. But I want you to notice something very important about this promise. This promise does not apply to all people. Now, James does not say the prayer of every person is powerful and effective. He says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
See, only those who are righteous can claim the promise of powerful and effective prayer. And since that's the case, well, we need to know the answer to this question. What is a righteous person? Now, this is boiling it way, way down. I'm not getting into any theological discussion here. But scripturally speaking, a righteous person is a person who believes God and obeys God through God's grace. James talked about this earlier in his letter. In James 2, 20 through 24, James says this, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. <clears throat> now, for years, <clears throat> excuse me, for years, people have been proclaiming from pulpits that we are justified or considered righteous by God by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And anyone who says something different than by grace, by by faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone, is labeled as a heretic who's teaching another gospel. But the truth is, James, the Lord's brother, James did not believe in, nor did he or any other writer of Scripture teach that we are considered righteous by God, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Instead, James says a justified person, a righteous person, is someone who has obedient actions or good works that go along with their faith. He very plainly says it's not by faith alone, but it's by what we do. He says that God considered Abraham righteous only after he put actions with his faith, only after he obeyed God's command to take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. Abraham's obedience to God and Abraham's Abraham's faith in God were working together to bring Abraham's faith to completion and make Abraham righteous. In other words, we can say I, have, I can say I have faith all day long. But if there's no actions that go with my faith, then my faith is not a saving faith. It's not a faith that makes me righteous. So in other words, for Abraham, Abraham believed God, which led him to obey God through God's grace. And this obedient faith made Abraham righteous. And it's the same with us. A righteous person is someone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and obeys the Lord Jesus Christ, or does what is right through God's grace. And God promises, if you and I are among the righteous, well, our prayers are powerful and effective. And James goes on in James 5, 17 through 19 to show us just how powerful our prayers can be. James says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. So the power that every righteous person has in prayer, listen to this, is equal to the power of the prophet Elijah. And if you know anything about Elijah, you know that is really, really a big deal. Because Elijah was one of the most powerful prophets in the scriptures. 
He was a righteous and a faithful man of God who obeyed God through God's grace. Elijah did many miracles. And Elijah's prayers were so powerful that he caused it not to rain for three and a half years. This is what he says to King Ahab in 1 Kings 17.1. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Think about this for a minute. In answer to Elijah's prayer, God changed the weather. Not for one day, not for two days, not for a couple weeks, but for three and a half years. Elijah was able to say, this is, there's not going to be any rain on this land except at my word. And the reason for this is not because Elijah was superhuman. He was human, just like all of us. Elijah's prayers were powerful because he lived a righteous life through God's grace and because he prayed earnestly to God and God answered his prayers. And here's the exciting thing for us. We are all capable of living that same life and praying in the same way. And if we'll live a righteous life like Elijah did, if we'll pray earnestly like Elijah did, then we should expect God to do miraculous things through us just like he did through Elijah. To the prayers of any righteous person, man or woman, boy or girl, young or old, the prayers of every righteous person are powerful and effective. Now, before I move on to my next point, I want to, I want to take a couple minutes to define what prayer is. Because we tend to overthink this and make prayer more complicated than it really needs to be. So what is prayer? Well, the Greek word James uses for prayer means to earnestly ask another person for something, either for ourselves or for someone else. Now, how many of us know how to ask people for something? Any of us? I'm the only one. So we got one person who knows how to ask somebody for something in the whole... How many of us know how to earnestly ask people to help us and to help others? See, all of us know how to do that, right? And if we all know how to do that, then this means that we all know how to pray. And when we ask, when we pray, we're asking God for something. We're earnestly asking God to help us or to help others, to meet our needs or to meet the needs of others. It's just like we would ask any other person. But the difference is God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, he's not just any person. He's the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-seeing God of the universe. He's our provider, our protector, our comforter, our healer. He's our life. He's our peace. He's our strength. He's our hope, our joy. Our loving, caring Heavenly Father is our ever-present helper in times of need. He's our Savior from every enemy, our Redeemer from all captivity. And God is willing and God is able to meet our every need. But here's the thing. God expects us, his children, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking on the door through prayer until he gives us what we ask of him. Like Elijah, God has given all his faithful children the privilege and the power to change things through our prayers. We can change things in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And in fact, if we could get a hold of this, the prayer of a righteous person has the potential to change the world. Prayer is powerful. And if we were devoted to prayer, we would have God's power. The second thing we would have if we were devoted to prayer is we would have God's help. As Paul says in Hebrews 4.16, 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, has anyone ever been tempted to do something that you know is wrong? To do something you know is against God's will? No, we're all tempted in many ways. And as followers of Jesus, we're commanded to avoid giving in to those temptations. But how do we do that? Especially when temptations can seem so strong and we often feel so weak. Well, to avoid temptation, you and I need God's help. And God gives us the help that we need through his mercy and through his grace, which we'll find at his throne. The verse we just read is in a context where Paul tells us Jesus understands our weaknesses. Jesus understands what it's like to be tempted just like us. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he never sinned. I think we think that, um, you know, Jesus was just operated as God on the earth. He was never tempted, but this verse tells us otherwise. Jesus was truly a human being. He truly went through the things we went through. The difference between Jesus and us, well, one difference is he he never sinned. In Hebrews 2, 14 to 16, Paul tells us, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, this is talking about Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Abraham's descendants, that's you and me who have faith in the Lord Jesus. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So here in these verses, we have God's promise that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence and find the help that we need. Especially when we're being tempted, we can approach God's throne of grace and we can be completely confident that we will not be condemned. God will not scold us or turn away from us because we're being tempted. That's another lie that the devil tells everybody. You've been tempted, you must have sinned. Well, if Jesus was tempted and he never sinned, then temptation and sin are two different things, correct? So you're not, you haven't sinned if you've been tempted. Don't let the devil lie to you about that. When you are tempted, we could find help and through God's grace and mercy, we, we can find help through God's grace and mercy when we approach God's throne of grace. When we do approach this throne, we'll find Jesus our older brother, our faithful high priest who was made like us. He was made like his brothers and sisters in every way. Jesus was tempted like us in every way. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer through the same temptations we all face. Jesus was tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But Jesus never sinned. He never gave in to any temptation. And here's the thing we all need to take away from this. He can help us and strengthen us to do the same thing. At the throne of grace, we'll find grace to help us. We'll find mercy to help us. We'll find a merciful high priest who will give us his power to overcome every temptation just like he did. That we can overcome every temptation if we'll approach God's throne of grace in our time of need. And how do we approach God's throne of grace? Well, we do it through prayer. 
If we'll run to God in prayer whenever we're tempted, if we'll tell God about our temptations, about our struggles, about our weaknesses, well, God promises to give us mercy and grace to help us in our time of need so that we can endure every temptation. By relying on God in our weakness, we gain his strength to overcome our weaknesses. So whenever we're tempted, we need to remember what the Lord Jesus said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus promises his powerful grace is all we need to overcome our weaknesses. Notice his power is a synonym for his grace. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our weakness. So when we are weak and when we're tempted in any way, we can approach God's throne of grace in prayer and ask God to give us the mercy, to give us the grace that we need to help us overcome it. So if we were devoted to prayer, we would have God's help. But that's not all. If we were devoted to prayer, we would also have a third thing. We would have God's peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul urges us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I'm just going to read verse 6 for now. Present your request to God. So we all know what it's like to be anxious or worried about something, right? And it's likely many of us are worried about something right now. We look around at the world, and the world is so messed up, and it just seems to get messier. The more sophisticated humanity becomes, sadly, the more savage we become. But God has a message for his people today. His message is this. Stop being anxious, stop worrying about it, and start praying about it. No matter the situation or the season of life we find ourselves in, God tells us, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. Instead, take it to God in prayer. And I know we're all capable of that because we're capable of telling other people about our problems, right? We tell other people that we're anxious. It's the same thing with God. We can take those anxious thoughts to God and tell him about it. Because God, unlike a lot of people that we talk to, he can do something about it. Now, God does not want us to pretend like the things that make us anxious are not there. doesn't want us to try not to think about our stressful situations or to avoid our problems. God tells us to bring everything to the throne of grace in prayer. God invites us to talk to him about every situation and trust him to handle it. And by the way, this is every situation, big or small, and trust God to handle it. So we need to learn to stop worrying about anything and pray in every situation. And if we'll do that, then notice the result in Philippians 4, 7. Paul says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So God can give us a peace that transcends our understanding. Now, what does that mean? Well, to transcend, it means to go beyond, far beyond something or to surpass something. So if we'll pray in every situation... God will give us a perfect peace that goes far beyond or surpasses our ability to understand or even imagine. And this is not a peace that we work up in our own minds. This is a peace that God gives to us. If we'll pray in every situation, God will give us his divine peace, a peace that's not swayed by circumstances, a peace that will guard our hearts and free us from all worry, anxiety, and fear. Now, I've witnessed this kind of peace in the lives of God's people. 
I've seen people face tremendous tragedies, yet God gives them his peace to go through it. Now, I remember a few years back sitting in a, with a Christian man in a hospital. His dearly loved mother went into the hospital just a few days earlier to have surgery. So she was expected to have this surgery, make a full recovery, and move on with her life. But what the doctors thought was one thing, what they thought was something that they could fix, well, turned out to be something much worse. So there was nothing that the doctors could do to help this woman. She would never recover. And as I sat in the hospital room with this man who was waiting for his dearly loved mother to die, he turned to me, and as if he felt guilty about it, he said these words. He said, I don't understand it. My mother's dying right in front of me, but I have a peace like I've never had before. How can I have peace at a time like this? So I told him what I'm going to tell you. That was God giving his peace to his faithful child. We had prayed for God's comfort and God's peace during this time, and God answered that prayer. The peace that surpasses our understanding was guarding the heart and the mind of God's child as he faced the unexpected loss of his mother. And God will do the same for each and every one of us through every situation we face if we'll pray. No, God may or may not change our situation. He may or may not change your uh, spouse's attitude. He may or may not change your kid's attitude. God may or may not remove the things from our lives that cause us to be anxious. But if we'll keep praying, God can change us through every situation that we face. That's the big thing. Through his grace, he changes us and gives us the ability to go through things that we can never face without him. The scriptures tell us that God is the God of peace. What that means is he's the source of all all true peace. And he promises he will give us his peace through anything that we face in this life if we'll pray about every situation. So if we're devoted to prayer, we would have, if we were devoted to prayer, we would have God's peace. And finally, if we were devoted to prayer, we would have God's promises. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, Paul says this, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God has given us some exceedingly great and precious promises. And we find these promises in God's word. And Paul says all of God's promises, even the ones that seem so incredible to us, like when Jesus promised that his people would do greater works than he did through prayer, all of God's promises are yes in Christ. And what does this mean? Well, it means in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ, all the promises of God find their fulfillment in the lives of God's children. And prayer is one of the means of grace through which God gives us what he promises us in Christ. When we pray, we should be reminding God of his promises. And we should be asking God to keep the promises he's given us in Christ. We should be asking God to fulfill those promises in our lives. What are some of the promises God gives us in Christ? What are some of the things we can ask God? Well, we can ask God, will you give me your power in Christ? And God's answer is yes. Will you give me your help in Christ? God's answer is yes. Will you give me your peace in Christ? God's answer is yes. 
Will you save me from my sins? Will you keep me from all sin? Will you break the chains of all my addictions in Christ? Will you meet all of my needs in Christ? To all of those questions, God's answer is yes. To those and every other promise God gives his children are all yes to us in Christ. So one of the best ways to pray is to turn God's promises into prayers. Because when we turn God's promises into prayers, we can speak a bold amen at the end. Because when we pray God's promises, well, we know for absolute certain, we know, we know for certain that we're praying according to God's will. And that's important because as John says in 1 John 5, 14 to 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. God's word shows us God's will. So when we pray the promises of God that we find in God's word, well, we know for certain that we're praying according to God's will. And so we can be sure that God will give us what we ask of him. So what that means for all of us is we should all keep reading God's word, studying God's word, studying the scriptures. And as we do, let's keep looking for God's promises. And when we find those promises, let's turn those promises into prayer. And let's expect that the promises God gives us in Christ will be yes in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Now, let me close by returning to this question. What if we were devoted to prayer? To be devoted to something means we're dedicated to it. We're committed to it. And we discipline ourselves to keep that commitment. Now, we all do this in other areas of our lives, right? We're committed to all kinds of things. For, for example, for our jobs, we're committed to sports, exercise programs, hobbies. And we commit ourselves to those things. And we discipline ourselves so that we don't miss a day of work, a day of practice, a workout, or an opportunity to pursue our hobbies. What if we approach prayer with that same commitment? What if we devoted ourselves to prayer? What if we got so passionate about prayer that we never even consider missing a day of prayer or a time of prayer? You know, in the early church, they had at least three set times of prayer every day. What the New Testament calls the hours of prayer. God's people always prayed at 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. And that does not mean that they prayed for an hour three times a day. It simply means that they devoted themselves to spend some time in prayer at those times of the day. They made a commitment to pray and disciplined themselves to keep that commitment. Day in and day out, you knew where they were going to be at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock. They're going to be somewhere praying. What would happen if we started to do that? If we all said, I'm going to devote myself, I'm going to commit myself to those times of prayer every single day. Not as some legalistic way to earn favor with God, but because we love God and we know that when we pray to God, things change. People change. The world can change. What if we all said day in and day out, I'm going to commit myself to pray to God at those three times every day? What would happen? Well, the first thing that would happen is, Satan would put all kinds of thoughts in our minds like he's doing right now. Satan gives us all these excuses of why we could not possibly commit ourselves to such a schedule. But if we dismiss the lies of Satan and we start to do what so many have faithfully done before us, what would happen? You know, we often talk in the church about our longing for the life-changing power that the early church had. 
But here's a very important question. Are we willing to do what they did to have that power? The more I read the New Testament, I see how unlike them we truly are. We're nothing like them. They were devoted to God. Their whole lives revolved around God, revolved around prayer, revolved around the kingdom of God. So how could we get what they have? Well, the best place to start is to devote ourselves to prayer. If we'll devote ourselves to prayer, we'll have God's power. We'll have God's help. We'll have God's peace, and we'll have God's promises. And I believe if we make prayer our top priority, God will use our prayers to change us and to change the world. And you might ask, well, what would I pray if I prayed three times a day? Well, we've already talked about praying about every situation. Just pray about the things that come up throughout the day. We can all do that. We can also pray about or pray for the people on the prayer list. Seems like four or five times a day I get that thing dinging on my phone. Somebody needs a prayer for something. Right? You get, you, you, what is it called, the thing that they sign up for? So the remind that, that, so those prayers come through four or five times a day. We can all stop when those come through and pray. Uh, we also talked about turning God's promises into prayers. We can all do that. We can also pray the Lord's Prayer that Jesus told us to pray, you know, our Father who art in heaven. We can pray that prayer three times a day. We can always pray these kinds of prayers during our daily prayer time. And one of the big things that God has given, he's given us an entire book to help us to pray. What is that book called? People have used this book for thousands of years. The book of Psalms, right? 150 Psalms that cover basically everything you could imagine. God has given those to us and said, here, go pray these. And listen, just like what I was talking about a minute ago, if we're praying the Psalms, then we know the Lord is going to answer our prayers because that's God's word. Those are his promises for his people. And if we'll pray, then we can expect God to answer our prayers when we pray the Psalms. But whatever we pray... It's important that we establish a set time and a set schedule and stick to it. Because if we don't force ourselves, this is you got to say, if we don't force ourselves to pray, we will not pray. And that's not unspiritual to say that. Paul talked about one place. He said he had to beat his body to make it his slave so that he's not disqualified, right? So we got to beat our bodies, make them our slaves, and say, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to set these times. I'm going to pray. We all got cell phones. You can put a timer on there, set it when you leave here, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And just make, it, make up your mind that you're going to pray. If at those times you just take time to pray the Lord's Prayer in your mind, you understand what I'm saying? Just take time to pray. All of us can do that. And if we'll do that day in and day out, then I guarantee you we'll see changes not only in ourselves, but we'll see changes in the people around us. A lot of us now, we see the things going on in the world and we complain about it. We're talking about this, that, the other. God's people got zero business complaining about this stuff. We know the world is going to be exactly like it is. Jesus told us that. The apostles told us that. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be priests of God, correct? What does a priest do? A priest prays for people. That's what we're all called to do. So let's all make up our minds that we're going to devote ourselves to prayer. And with the Lord's help, we can see the world change. Let's all stand for prayer. So what I want to do, I want to do something a little bit different than we normally do. So let's just practice what I just preached. I'm going to, um, I'm going to turn my microphone off, and I'm going to ask anybody who needs prayer for anything just to come forward. And we're going to pray for each other. Everybody in this room, I can guarantee you right now, has somebody in their life that doesn't know the Lord. We can all pray for them. Any need that you have, bring it to, bring it up. We'll call this the throne of God's grace today. Bring it, bring it forward and we'll pray for you. We may sing a song afterward. I don't think we necessarily need a song right now. I just think we need to pray, focus on praying. And uh, however long we're here is how long we're here.
Because this is what it's all about, right? If we're not going to practice God's word, then it's pointless for me to preach it, right? So let's spend some time. I'm going to turn this microphone off. Let's spend some time praying. Just come forward, whatever you need, any kind of need you have, come forward. We're going to pray about it.